Hey, welcome to the Healthy Style Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm a health coach and a podcaster, and I'm here to share everything I possibly can to help you transform your life. And I'm here to talk all things health and wellness, beauty, skincare, daily routines, and transformation that will empower you to own your life and become the best version of yourself. So grab a cup of coffee, tea, or green juice and sit back and enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode number 89 with Paul Masters. Paul Masters is a serial entrepreneur with a focus in human capital management and corporate wellness. He's earned certifications in the areas of health, wellness, and nutrition with a specialty in mind-body balance. His journey has led him to create Lifegenics, a private community connecting like-minded people to metabolic health, enhancing mind and body through nutrition, fitness, and mindfulness. His mission is to provide easy access to coaching on nutrition, exercise, and mindfulness with video workouts and step-by-step lessons. And this is a really special episode because Paul and I have known each other for over 10 years. We actually dated in our mid-20s for a couple of years, and we've just always stayed in touch. And I wanted to have him on our show because I have seen him go through an amazing transformation, both physically and mentally. And I wanted to talk about it in here and share it with you guys because we actually chat regularly and our conversations sound a lot like this podcast episode. And I really think like our each phone call is over an hour long. We talk about so many different uh, topics. And in this episode, Paul shares his transformation, how he lost 30 pounds and became sober about three years ago, and how he did it by changing his mindset. We talk about mind-body connection and the importance of working on your mindset when you want to make any change in your life if you want it to stick. He also tells us his morning routine and the things that he does that he can't live without that really accelerated his success and health. We also cover nutrition and why it's important to read labels, limit processed oils, which are the main cause of inflammation, weight gain, depression, and how it's in most processed foods and why. And one of my favorite topics, how to become who you want to be. He gives us a three-step cyclical process that you don't want to miss. So grab your journal, get comfy, and enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, so excited to welcome to our show, Paul Masters. He's an amazing friend of mine, and I cannot wait to discuss all the things with him. So welcome to the show, Paul. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me, Michaela. This is uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you as we do so regularly, but on the on the big stage, if you will. So I I'm, know. I'm, I'm pumped I know. to finally do this. I think we've been planning this for many, many months at this point, and we've had podcast-worthy conversations in between. Then, so let's actually get some stuff out here to to the wonderful folks that that listen to this stuff. I know you're like the one of the very few people if like probably only right now that I have like hour or two long conversations about everything. So on a regular basis, yes. On a regular basis and you know, we just need to share that with the rest of the world cuz it's so many good nuggets in there. Yes. So tell us a little bit about you and how you grew up and and just bring us back to like a young Paul and and were you always, you know, like entrepreneurial and, and tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whenever I talk about my past, there's always these different versions or parts of myself that I think of, right? Like there's the Paul that, you know, thinks a lot about the family life and, and that whole relationship and just, you know, um, growing up as an immigrant and, and moving to the United States from Russia and like that whole path. And there's all these facets to it. But you know, in a nutshell, young Paul was probably a pretty scared kid. Um, definitely not entrepreneurial in the beginning of life. Probably more trying to navigate, understand how to communicate uh, with people, and 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 really just sort of coming into uh, their own. Because once we've migrated from Russia to America, it was like a whole new world at the age of seven or eight. And so, 
from there, my journey really began where I sort of had to sort of shape myself in, in a world I didn't really understand. And I, I think that that part of it really sat with me and what drove me to want to take the entrepreneurial route ultimately in my career and in my journey, because um, I, I really started to feel that there was there was there's something more and and when you spend a lot of time on your own and as i did as a kid and when you 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 really start to think about um you know who you want to become um the doors really start to open and i think that's that's what propelled me to um you know want to be you know and I ultimately want to be an entrepreneur and, and and do things but my my health journey um although it started at a younger age it wasn't always so because I was missing a huge piece. Like I knew I wanted to, you know, live a better life and have a healthier lifestyle as I was growing up and, and through high school. And I knew about wellness and fitness, but I wasn't really educated enough, uh, you know, and I wasn't aware enough of all the different things that's involved in the mindset part of fitness. So I, I knew that there was this physical stuff that was available, but it wasn't the mental part didn't come till way later. And so, um, my journey through up until this point has really been about exploration and evolution. And I feel like the, the, the mind, uh, part of it is what sort of has always taken me to that next step in my life and career, both on the, uh, personal front and professional front. And of course the, the wellness front as well. Ah, love it. Um, oh my gosh, so many things I sort of want to touch upon. I yeah, like I've known you for so long. And one of the first things that came up as you were talking about growing up was like your mom came to my mind and how amazing she is. And and I feel like the conversations we used to have back in the day at like your table was about spirituality and mind and all of those things. And I, and I just always found it so fascinating and I always wanted to know more, like, I'm sure you got a lot from your mom in that sense. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you probably pieced mm -hmm. that together with the body and, and physical stuff. Right. But it wasn't really connected at that time. It was more separate. Right. Yeah, my mom and my dad really planted the spiritual seeds. My dad mostly um, was the family patriarch who really set the stage and planted the seeds for the metaphysical, the real belief that you can do anything, be anything, and shape yourself and your inside and outside experiences with your mind. Be, you know, he was the first person that even introduced this concept into our family. And you being exposed to that, you know that my mom and him went to a lot of different seminars and things like that. And that really did shape a lot of my, you know, mental state. But there was still that disconnect of really controlling myself with my mind and really creating that connection. So it was almost like there was two parts of me that were functioning independently of one another. Mm -hmm. And then at one point I sort of started to join the pieces together and realized how much my mental state and how my awareness impacted my well-being, my habits, the way that I ate, the way that I felt, the way that I slept and how much time I spent on myself. And and I think joining those together was the first time I'd started to really feel that self-love that we mm. so desperately want. Um, and uh, growing up, you know, I received a lot of love, especially from my mother, and I knew what that was. I always found it interesting that I wasn't able to sort of get to that place on my own for some time. But once I started to understand that connection, it really took me there. So it's been a, it's been a crazy ride up to that point. I mean, you're really lucky to have parents like that. Not many of us grow up, you know, telling like our parents telling us, uh, yeah, of course, like we can be anything and do anything, but not really like mean it. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely, your parents yeah. truly explained it on, you know, I remember talking about like different dimensions and like really, you know, like exploring books and, and going deeper into so many different things that really, I think, shape me and who I am and my beliefs at this, you know, point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm a parent, I have a daughter, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, my, my daughter is an only child, like, I'm, I'm very spiritual, I'm very into the body, I, I do connect the two. How what would you recommend? Like, how do you shape a child and teach them both of these things together? Because I think that's so important to teach as children. 
um, you know, to not just focus on the physical, but to take care of the mental. And, you know, I think, you know, it, it, everything is for our kids and our kids are the future, right? So we have to teach our kids these things. Yeah. Yeah, we do. You know, thinking about it from that perspective and, and I was, I was smiling a little bit as you talked about the fourth dimension and all that stuff that we used to talk about at the dinner table. And then you, you well, know, we you talked bring... about like 12 dimensions, your father no, and I used yeah, to have these conversations. You know, it was funny. Every time we sat down at the dinner table, there was more dimensions. I don't know where they came from at four, six, eight. And then my dad's like, well, there's a 12th. And I'm like, dad, I can't even get, I'm, I'm on, I'm over here anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, I find your question interesting because I, I think that one of the most important things for me early on, these conversations were my dad's reality. And my dad took a big risk exposing me to this information mm -hmm. because I was old enough to think that he was completely out of his mind. I was old enough to completely reject these premises. So it wasn't that he was doing it so early where I didn't have my decision-making capabilities. And thinking back on it, I respect the heck out of him for it because he took a massive chance to plant these seeds of, you know, what what if you repeat at my age to other kids could be considered very not so sometimes, right? It's um, you know, well, that's why it, spirituality is such a personal thing. It's such you a know? personal thing, and it's different for everybody, and the way that you talk about it is different for everybody. Um, but, but I want to say the first thing I would say for kids is number one, don't lie to them. Don't lie to them about how you perceive the world. Don't lie to them about how you feel about the universe. Don't, you know, don't hide behind societal norms and expectations just to protect them from a belief system. Because the thing about kids is what you're doing is really planting seeds. And, you know, I haven't thought about the multidimensional concept in those conversations, but my evolution of philosophy evolved from those things. And, and yeah. the levels that I think of and how I visualize and manifest and I go through the mind-body connection, how I create myself mentally than physically is all from the foundation of understanding the principle that we are beyond ourselves. We are not just this physical body. And so when, if I were to have that veil pulled over my eyes by my father at that time, I would be, I'm actually terrified. I've got my, my hair on my arm standing up to, to not be aware of that information and how important mm -hmm. it was. So I think number one is don't lie. Um, and don't lie about successes and failures, you know, um, you know, I always knew where my family was. I knew when we had struggles. I knew when we were we were doing well. I, I knew what was going on. I felt like a true part of the the journey, and I think that also helps create that that connection and that that deepened my respect for what my dad and my mom were telling me about, you know, the philosophical and the metaphysical uh, nature of of life. So I think that was that would probably be my first starting point and recommendation. You know, for 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 kids and, and for parents to, and how they want to shape some information to their kids, whether it's that or food or anything. Cause I know you do that with your daughter a lot. You know, I see her drinking these smoothies and, you know, ingesting all of this, you know, health conscious stuff. And I say to myself, like, this is the type of stuff that like you're exposing her to all of this stuff, but she still has a choice of how she wants, you know, does she want to receive it? Is she going to do that in the future? That's all up to her, but you're giving her the, the chance of, of, of exploring and exposing all the things that, that you're, um, you know, conscious of and aware of from a, from a very healthy perspective, you know? Yeah. I've, I've really always, um, you know, that that's, it's, it's one of my favorite things about being a parent is mm -hmm. to, share with her like the beginning of my life, because I feel like I really started living when I started to take care of myself and we'll get into like the mind body connection, but mm -hmm. I want to expose her to all of my self-care practices. She sees me doing my gua sha, legs up the wall. She joins me most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. She, yeah. the other day, there are times where I'm like, I feel like blah, let's say. And she'll be like, mommy, mm -hmm. let's do a yoga class like by herself. Mm -hmm. The other day we did a 45 minute yoga class. It was a kid's yoga class. I like made it more stronger for myself, you know, but mm -hmm. like she, she, she has these things or she'll say, let's go hiking, you know? And so she's like my partner in, in that sense that like what you reap, you will sow. Right. So it's yes. like, 
um, you want to have a healthy lifestyle or a household, well, it starts with you. And, you know, sometimes it was easy. Sometimes it was hard, but I still pushed through and, and, and did the best things that I can do. And, and it just shows now she's four and a half and she has her own little practices, which is so cute. It's awesome. But I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the mind body connection. Why do you think there is such a separation when there are things talked about like the body and health and, and, and it's, I mean, I see the world emerging now together, but like, I feel like even the texts, right. Textbooks, um, they don't include the two. It's like, it's like one is on this planet and the other one is on that planet. And you almost feel like if you're on this planet, you're like, you're missing something. Right. And then vice versa. So talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah. Uh, there's, we'll, we'll have to do a follow-up to this because there's so much, but I think the, the essentialist approach to the mind-body connection is that it doesn't matter what you do for a day or a week or a month. Being in a state of health and being in a state of wellness is life. And that's the key to the mind-body connection is that every time you approach something as a diet, or as a temporary solution, or this month I'm gonna do a cleanse. The nature of a cleanse itself is flawed in that it's temporary. You should be cleansing on a permanent basis, right? And so in order to be in a state of cleansing, you need to live that lifestyle and live that life. In order to live that life, you have to mentally put yourself in a place where that is who you are. So I'm gonna be healthy for 2021 is already a flawed view perpetuated by the nutrition and the advertising and the food industry to create a temporary state of wellness that then rolls right back into some poor habits that we sort of fall back on and we can't figure out why it is that we continuously zigzag or yo-yo between what we want to become physically and from a health perspective and then you know, what we are today, because everybody always wants to improve in that regard. And the missing link is creating the mindset that allows you to continue to perpetually live in that state, right? To be healthy is not to be, you know, to be on a diet, right? It's not to eat healthy. It's to embody health in the same way that you breathe. And I want to, I want to really focus on this because my transformation of losing 30 pounds um, and my, you know, I, I was also a heavy drinker. Uh, there was a lot of things. Those things changed not because of a body thing, not, not even because of health. It changed because of mind, mm. but the body followed. So everybody thinks that they want to see it first and then they'll believe it. And unfortunately, that's the furthest from the truth. That's where most failure starts in the mind-body connection. And we're talking about here, either you want to, um, you know, have better eating habits, whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to work out. Work. Let's say you want to run a, a mile or half a mile, you, or you want to start walking again, or you want to start breath work, right? Or like you have in your uh, some of your consult uh, stuff where the you have the morning and nighttime routine stuff, right? That is a mind thing to con- like, that's the way that you can maintain that kind of lifestyle. And sure. that's part of the mind piece. And the body then follows in the change. So it has to happen up in the mind before it can be realized in the body. And all of these cleanses and fixes and detoxes and pills and all of that stuff, a lot of them, not everything, there are some holistic ways to encourage and help you nourish the body, that's different. I'm talking about some of the stuff that's out there that you see, which is really toxic and really harmful and and really screws up the metabolism, the body internally. They wanna, you know, a lot of people wanna go for that because they think that if they can see it in their body, then they can really believe it. Um, and, uh, but how does how one, operated. how does a person change that mindset? Let's say that's a good question, yeah, you know, and, good. and for me, I, I do believe it goes to back to the subconscious to really setting yourself up for success, building sure. those routines for the day. But what are some of your tips for a person that's listening? That's so new to this 
that mm-hmm. has been focusing on the diets and, mm-hmm. you know, doing a cleanse and then bouncing back and, and gaining double the weight or feeling even worse about themselves. Uh, you know, if they want that self-love, self-confidence, like how does one change their mind? Can it happen overnight? Can it, do they have to work with somebody? Can they do it on their own? I mean, I'm sure it's bio-individual, but what are some tips that you would recommend? Well, the first thing I would recommend is if you have somebody you can work with, work with somebody 100% because there is no harm in working with someone uh, from from a health perspective, even if it's someone that can just check in with you and keep you accountable and keep your head in the right place and help you, why go through a journey on your own if you have the resources and the will um, and the accountability to allow somebody to help you? So I think that's a huge part of it. So that's number one. Number two, if you're completely new to this, what is it that we're really looking for? Well, we're looking to get fed up with our current state, the current state of being that we're in. And if we're, if we're fed up with the current state of being that we're in, we have to have an understanding of who we want to become. And I find a huge blurriness for most people in their vision, in their uh, sort of perspective of who they actually want to be, they, they don't know. And so step number two is I want to visualize and I want to document as I do with everything. What is it that I really want to look like? What is it that I really want to feel like? What types of emotions do I want running through my head every single day? Right? And most people, if you ask them off the cuff, like, hey, well, what do you want to be? Like, how do you want to feel? What, what, are, what are some of the, what's your state of being the perfect you, the ideal you that you're striving for? A lot of them will go, ah, you know, and, and they'll have to think about it. But you have to be very specific in that. And I think the second step from that is to really document and to really understand exactly what it is that you want to be from a physical and mental and emotional perspective. And some of these you may not know, but as you get closer, it will start to evolve. And you've got to look at that list and you've got to believe that it is going to happen every single day. And I know this sounds absolutely silly, but I can't tell you how many people I talk to and consult with that say the things that they want to do and want to be, but deep down inside, They don't have the belief that they can actually get there. And so my number three main thing here, and if you just rotate these three steps, it will move you forward, is you've got to have a true belief that you can get there. Not the fake one that you tell everybody else, but the real deal. Like, I actually believe I can become this. And I think that part for me was real when I realized like, yes, I want to be at this certain per, you know, point of, of health in my life. And this is the way that I want to live. But I didn't even believe deep down that it could happen. And I said, you know what, I'm going to really, really do this. I'm going to I really believe that I can do it. And that's really when I started to see and feel and think of the right changes. And that is the cycle, the most basic cycle of transformation are those sort of three pieces of, of, uh, advice. I love that it's a cycle because it's not linear, right? It's not no. like you do this one step and then the next step that, and then you're done. It's every, you know, we live, we are cyclical beings. Yes. Um, everything is, is cyclical when you really think about it. Um, you know, from the molecules to cells, to the earth, to like, just, just things in general. Um, And one of the things that I want to point out is, you know, we ask kids, what do you want to be? Who, not even who you want to be. I think we should more ask like, who do you want to be? Right. Not Mm -hmm. not like, what Mm -hmm. do you want to do as work? Because I think we live in a time where it's a beautiful time where we can have five careers if we choose to. So why limit ourselves to one? And then, you know, when you ask children, they say, Oh, I want to be this. And they almost subconsciously feel so tied to this because they want to like make somebody happy. Right. I think that's like terrible, but it's like, who do you want to be? And uh, you know, for me, when I speak to my daughter, uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about happiness and, and health 
and, and things like that. But I don't think it should stop with the kids. Like, mm. when did it stop when, when like people were asking, like, like, you know, us where like, how, how do you want to feel? Who do you want to be? Like, it should be mm. a normal thing between adults. Like, yes. who are you, who are you becoming? Yes. Because once you're 21, it's like this, this notion of like, oh, you've, you've grown up, like, you know, you've done school or whatever. And the next thing is to get the house. The next thing is to get, you know, like married and kids and like, that's it. No, like it's, it's so many other things. And, you know, even within my coaching practice, we talk about spirituality, like what kind of spiritual person do you want to be? Do you want to read the Bible or do you want to pray or do you want to go to church? Do you want to meditate? Do you want to journal? Do you want to go for walks in nature? How do you connect to your higher self? And it's going to look different for everybody. That's why I don't like to share all of the things that I do because, you know, I mean, you can try things on, but ultimately you have to figure out like how, what are some things that you can do every single day? Um, you know, how do you want to be in relationships? Do you want to be a bitch or do you want to be mm -hmm. kind? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be the jealous type or do you want to wish well for people? You know, what kind yep. of career, like, how do you want to feel in the line of job that you do? Do you want to not think about the money and just be completely in service? Or do you want to be all about the money? You know, there's always these choices that I think, you know, whether it's working with a coach or really diving deep, and going into the deep layers into yourself. And even right now, like pulling out a journal, I think during every podcast episode, I tell people, take out a piece of paper, mm -hmm. start jotting things down because you're doing, this is a self-development tool that we're offering to you for free, mm -hmm. giving you all, you know, all the, the sweat, you know, hard work, sweat and tears, giving it yes. to you in like a beautiful package mm -hmm. that you can just try on and explore. Yes. Um, so, you know, start to ask yourself, who is your future self? Yes. Who are you becoming? And through that process, you know, there's going to be a lot of misbelief and you're not going to believe it, but you'd go back to that cycle until, and then you, you figure out like, Oh, how did, how does this person behave? What kind of habits do they have during the day? And then you start to implement these habits throughout the day. And one day you wake up and you're like, shit, I'm, I'm becoming this person. Yes. And you go even deeper and deeper. I like what you just said about one day you wake up and you're, you're, you're sort of, uh, you're becoming this person. years later. It could be, I mean, it doesn't yes, yes. have to well, be, I, I look, know. I look at things. Yeah. It is, it, I, I look at, um, I I've learned to look at life and this is not for everybody, but I think the way that I've seen my most transitional shifts is under this law of eight. And I don't know why it is like that for me, but for some people they may see it a similar way. And so, the the numbers are sequential and they go up by eight and that is the years of your of your existence so uh, my first uh moment at eight years old then 16 then 24 then 32 years of age right then 40 then 48 and so the law of eight is basically significant shifts in the body mind and um our place in the universe and our place in society is the most greatest shift happens every eight years. That's my prediction. And that's sort of my, my philosophy. And so, you know, as you sort of move through your first eight, next eight, you know, you can like eight, 16, 24, 32, 40, you realize that you're almost reborn in those years, right? And whatever sequence of eight you're in now, you can set sights on the person you want to become for your next sequence of eight because I believe that's what it takes to become different. And so when I look at my journey and I look at the progression of my health, wellness, weight loss, or whatever it is that my goals were as I'm turning, I don't want to date myself, but I'm about to turn 36. Ah! <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm halfway sort of through that 32 to 40 cycle. And so I'm envisioning where I want to be at that 40 point because that's really how you can give yourself enough time to actually 
like you said, snap and say, oh, wow, I've accomplished something. Because I think what we do is we, we have big lofty goals, but we never give ourselves enough time to get there. Mm -hmm. We never, it's, and, it's, and it, a lot of it is not about patience versus impatience. It's just that our brains can't determine the actual length of time that something takes. You know, there are people that, for example, try to lose weight and statistically they will do, they will work out for a month, two months straight, very regularly and see zero results physically in their weight loss. They'll feel better, they'll do that stuff. And I bring this point up because I, I wanna bring this study forward and I'll send you the link to it. But then right in the last couple of weeks, past that two month period, they drastically shift. Their body type starts to change. All the toning happens. Everything happens in that final one or two week period as their body finally gives in to the committing transformational shift that they've dedicated 60 days to without seeing any physical materialization of results. And imagine they could have given up at any point in those 60 days, but they held on and then boom, it all changed in that very short period of time. And so that's why you wanna set up patient goal and time frames that give you way more time than you need because the second you set a goal with an undefined time frame or a time frame too short and you pass that time frame, what do you do? You give up on the goal and you give up on the shift and you give up on the change and your mind gives up on the body. And that's why I like to look at things in eight-year cycles because if I, get it, if I get to my place sooner, that's fine. But it also gives me a place to look forward to as I try to evolve myself as a person every eight or so years. It's, it's sort of the way I started to look at it. Um, but, you know, you may have significant points in your life that you've noticed and looked back on every seven years or six years. Uh, mine is eight. But find that number. Um, it's an interesting sort of geometry that you can look into and, and explore. And it's also a cyclical way of living, right? So it's also Correct. that like birth and death, like, and you have to almost like celebrate who you are, but you're birthing a new version of yourself. And you get to do that through this work. You get to do that through journaling. You yes, get journaling. to do that through, you know, spending time in silence to yourself or listening to motivational stuff like this, or, you know, there's so many things out there now that is just out there. Like you don't have to go to the libraries the way, like when I first started this, you know, over 10, over 10 years ago, gosh, like I, Google was not what it was. And this free information and podcast was not available, but I was always like in search of it. And like, I would stay in the library to like find that perfect book, like for hours until mm -hmm. I found it and I would get a nugget. And then I would just sort of like, you know, explore it and then move on to the next one and to the next one. And here I am at 36 and I feel like I'm just getting to like, just getting started with it all. You know, when you put things so into important. practice, that's when you truly see it. That's why I say, don't just consume the content, like really act on it. You know, if you listen to this weekly, pick a thing that you will do that week, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's every single day or just that week and, you know, it accumulates, it really does. But I wanted to talk about your transformation and, you know, how you got there, if you, you know, if you can talk a little bit about the, the drinking and why you stopped and, yeah. and the impact that that had on your health and your mindset, what made you decide to do that? Cause I've personally explored with not drinking many times. Um, my most recent thing, which I haven't talked about on here, I did two and a half years of like not drinking at all. And when I decided to have a drink, it, I, I completely like, it was a, it was a whole different experience. I can now have one to two drinks and mm -hmm. not want any more where in the past I could not do that. I would have one or two and that led to five or six or seven, or I don't even remember. <laughs> and right, then yep. I felt like crap the next day. And so there are, you know, I would say right now, like once maybe, or twice a month, I will have a glass of or two of champagne and I feel really good about it. I, I, you know, it's, it's always the right time or it's a celebration. 
I don't want any more. I also, you know, having a daughter has really helped me to, you know, because she is so energized to like, think about the next day. I'm always thinking about the morning and what I have to do. And, you know, we wake up early and get all those things done. And I know if I was to have three or four or more, I would not be able to do that. And I would feel guilty. So that's my accountability, but not even that. I think just not drinking for so long, like really reset my system. And I know that's not for everybody. Um, you know, I've never had an alcohol issue. So like if, if you do, that's, that's a whole different thing, but you know, I've played around with it in my life and, and I wanted, you know, you to talk a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah. My experience with that has been, um, I, I probably should be dead because of the risks uh, I put myself in when I was drinking. Um, and to this day, I've had to forgive myself quite a bit for some of the poor decisions that I've made. Nothing really good came out of it. Um, nothing serious, luckily, but you know, um, just not really um, a, a, a good thing on, on all fronts in my life. It was just always a crutch. It was always a detriment. So you ask yourself, and I've asked myself many times, why, oh, why did I allow this substance to take complete control over my life? Well, it's because I didn't really know who I was and I didn't really know who I wanted to be. And this began from a really young age, I started really drinking and messing with drugs and, you know, um, sort of experimenting with all that stuff, you know, at 15. And the drinking really won the battle because it was able to numb my emotions. And, you know, I was, you know, a, a confidently outwardly kid, but I was at the same time petrified on the inside. I had fears and concerns and, and, and consuming thoughts about, you know, I, I think I was probably um, in a perpetually depressed state. Um, you know, we had moved from New York City to New Jersey. I didn't know anybody. Um, you know, that added to it. I was already not in a great place, but that added to it different people, different environments. And so, you know, and I didn't know how to handle it. And then, and then there was alcohol in the house. And, and, and so once I got my hands on it, it, it just, it just became this thing that I started to rely on. And, and then it, and, and I've, you know, I've been sober three years or about three years. And, uh, before that it was on a, on a, um, on an incline, on an increase actually, before I, I, I cut it all off. It was, it was getting to a, a really bad point. Um, but it was just something that I relied on as part of my personality, as part of who I was, and I hit it well. And uh, why did I uh, stop? I stopped really because I got clear on who I wanted to be. And I think part of, and this goes back to the mind-body connection and anybody out there listening, let me tell you something, okay? You are the most important person in your life. Uh, you may have kids, you may have a significant other, but you and your self-love is the most significant thing in your life. And that's not selfish, that's reality. Because if you don't love what you are, who you are, where you are, why you exist, you cannot really truly deeply express that love for, for, for others and for other things in your life. And over time, I feel like that eats away at a lot of people because they're stressed and then there's work and then there's this and then there's that and we forget about ourselves in this entire process. And so, you know, that's the big problem that I had is I put everything before me because I was lost in myself and the drinking helped sort of numb everything. And so I realized the self-love component and I realized that I, I – I was just fed up with being hung over all the time and, and, and bogged down all the time. And, and, and it was very scary because most of the social interactions that I had been around after that happened, I didn't even know how to talk to people. I, I literally just didn't even didn't know who I was, didn't know what my personality was because I'd been, you know, at every party I'd been, you know, drunk. So 
you know, it forced me to, to, to realize that one point that like, I have to be the most important person in my life and, and I have to understand who I want to be. And once I got really good and specific on who I wanted to be, I realized that the person I wanted to be didn't drink. Mm-hmm. And that was really the decision. It was like, like you look at the person you want to be and you say, does that per you ask the questions, Hey, does the Paul you want to be drink? No, that's it. Does, does the, like, what is the Paul? I, and these are real. Like I, and I wrote this down in the journal, you know, what is the Paul I want to be eat? He eats these things. Okay, cool. Right. And this is where Livegenics, my, the program came from is, is all of that understanding of like, asking yourself, who is it that you want to be? And does that person do the things you're currently doing? Whenever you're going through an action and, and, and you're aware and sober, like I began to be, <laughs> you ask yourself, Hey, I'm at the fridge right now about to eat something, or I'm going and I'm, I'm doing this, or I uh, didn't go for my walk, or I, I didn't do the exercise I said I was going to do or whatever it was, you know, does the person I want to be do that? No, then I got to do it. It's not about want or not want. It's about being that person. And that starts in the mind. And again, I bring everything back to the mind-body connection because we are an expansive universe of energy trapped in this tiny physical space called our body. And we have to operate within this confined space. Think about the dreams we have, how big we can think and yet we're trapped in this body. And so in order for us to operate the best way we can, we've got to put the best fuel, we've got to care for this mechanism if we want it to serve us the right way. Because our mind's always going to be beyond the body. And when you come to that realization, and you realize that, say, for example, for you, you know, drinking a few drinks is just fine and that's okay and that's something you want to do, then that's fine because that's the person that you are, that you, you're okay doing that. For some people, like me, for example, it's not. Um, and so my drinking journey uh, and, and, and stopping drinking was really out of necessity to uh, take myself to the, to the next level in, in, my, in my life and, and who I wanted to be, and that was the only thing um, that allowed me to actually finally commit to doing it. Cause I tried to do it in the past and I'd failed a bunch mm-hmm. of times and it, and it took that decision to get there. So what are the actual things now that the Paul that you want to be does on a daily basis? Uh, well, first of all, I journal every day. Uh, I write down. Um, so step one, I wake up and I have about 15 minutes of pure visualization. Um, there is a law of universal harmony that, uh, exists that basically states that even people with you are competing with you. They all feed the same energy source. And usually our brain waves act in a specific way. Our receptors are highly intuitive in the mornings as we wake up. So that is the best time to, uh, sort of visualize what it is that you want to have to be, to see, uh, if it's a physical thing for you, then you think about that. If it's a material object object that you want to bring into reality through manifestation. You think about that. Spending time on manifesting and visualization has been the key, the number one key to my success, if you want to call it success, but the one number one key to me uh, accomplishing the things I want to accomplish. Um, then it's exercise, then it's meditation, stretching every day. Uh, you know, my, uh, the, the program, uh, that, that, uh, that we've started Lifegenics, you know, involves, uh, a, a ketogenic diet, uh, with some intermittent fasting. So, you know, there is this constant, uh, thought about what am I eating? What am I putting in my body? What am I not? And, and so all that. And then the rest of the day is really all about growing my company and, and, uh, interacting with people like you so that we can continue to grow. And, you know, if you don't have someone in your life, and I'm blessed to have Michaela in my life, that you can have this type of dialogue with, because unfortunately, sometimes your significant other or even some close friends um, may not be ready, willing, able, whatever it may be to have these discussions with you. I highly urge, I highly recommend, um, you know, you reach out to Michaela or you look for some people that you can connect with at that level. There's groups and, and events that I'm sure we can find. Um, because exploring this part of your life is, is such an important focus. So that's sort of my day-to-day um, and, and, and kind of how I operate 
um, you know, on a regular basis. There's, there's, there's very, very little variable in my routine and in my habitual, uh, you know, uh, kind of progress and process. And that's because um, priority is very important to me. And based on my current uh, objectives, you know, this is sort of what I need. And, you know, it's really important to have those as well. So if you, if you haven't written down your habits yet, <laughs> you should absolutely, or, or habits you want to, uh, you know, employ in your day to day, like making your bed or a morning routine, like Michaela talks about in some of her stuff, um, you know, highly, highly uh, impactful and important. Completing things is very important throughout the day. It does. The structure is, is, is where it's at. And I love that you mm -hmm. start your morning with filling up yourself, filling up your body, your mind, and then you work on creating, right? Through, mm -hmm. from that place, from being fulfilled. And I think that's really important. And, you know, you and I have, you know, we make our own schedules. So perhaps a person listening might not have that yet. Yes. If they want to become a person that has freedom with their time and how they spend their day, they can have that. They can. They can. But if they yeah. don't at this moment, you know, nothing is, is forever. Um, even spending a minute of visualization, um, two minutes of journaling, three minutes of stretching in the morning, you can do certain things in less than 10 minutes Absolutely. to fill yourself up. You know, for me, I love a nice, luxurious morning where, I mean, I read like four different books in the morning, like, like different chapters mm -hmm, and different mm -hmm, things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love my coffee. I make our smoothies. You know, I, I love like cuddles with the meat. Like there's just certain things that fill me up that I cannot start my day with like, go, go, go. And I used to do that. And I, when I, when that old me used to do that, I felt all day, I was like running, trying to catch things, going to the next thing without truly enjoying the present moment. So oh, it's, you yes. know, the mornings are sacred. They, we really are rebirth every single morning. Like it's such a blessing to wake up and to be alive, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I also, I also want to add to that point. Um, what, what, what's interesting about what you just described, your success comes from your ability to maintain a consistent, predictable schedule that allows you to step out and create and think and even do this podcast as busy as you are. You're like in the middle of a hundred things. And if anybody asks you, well, how do you make time for everything? You make time for everything by creating consistent routines so that you know exactly what you have going on and you know where you can fill these things in. And to most people, it seems like a lot, but to us and, and, and people who really structure out and plan out their, their stuff, it's, it's very manageable and very doable. So I, I completely agree that that habitual process and the filling yourself up with the right mindset and mind frame from the very beginning, is, it's the only way to get through a day successfully, I think. It is. And it's up to us to really commit to that. And, um, and even that, just like the spiritual journey, it's, it's such a, it can be such a private thing. Like, for example, the, you know, I can talk to Paul about all of my dreams and what I want to do just because he thinks very similar to me. And I know number one, I'm not going to be judged. Number two, I'm actually going to be like, like, celebrated by thinking even bigger and he'll even give me suggestions on how to do that. You mm. know, it's like, it's, I can't even, it's, it's so important to talk to somebody that, that kind of like gets you on that level of growth. So, and, but first of all, you have to, you know, have that with yourself because yes. otherwise you wouldn't, you know, it's, what's the point. That's right. You have to have that with yourself first and then, you know, see if you can get your significant other involved in this because the journey together is just so much better if you have it than if you're the one working on yourself and then somebody that you're with on a regular basis isn't aware of what's going on and 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 that that could also hinder um your the speed at which you sort of start to bring yourself forward in the way that you want. 
you know? Definitely. Definitely. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about nutrition and what is your philosophy with nutrition on really supplying, you know, giving your body what it needs. What are some, you know, some of your top tips, like when you're working with clients? Yeah. Diets don't work. So don't try it. Um, uh, it's temporary. If you're going to pick a coach, pick a coach that has a mind body philosophy. Um, because if you, if you focus on a coach, that's going to get you a meal plan. Listen, just print, go look, Google it and you'll be fine. You save your money. Um, so you want to work with somebody like that because I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that and then the actual nutrition side of it mm-hmm. for myself. Um, become aware and understand that the food industry is not your friend. The food industry is your enemy. They are trying to slowly but surely create addiction and poison you with sugar, um, processed food, uh, hydrogenated oils, which are everywhere, and generally um, uh, chemicals that are put in most processed food um, over time are, are extremely harmful to you and your, your loved ones, uh, specifically specifically and unfortunately, as, as Michaela knows even more than I do, in your children's food. And the stuff that you buy that's geared towards kids, the cereals that are geared towards kids, the meal packs and all that other stuff. So I think my philosophy on nutrition is don't look at the nutrition label if you're not going to look at the ingredients. Because the products you buy are an ad. It's an advertisement on the front, whatever they say. What are they going to highlight? Oh, nine grams of protein. But there's also 60 grams of carbs processed sugar 30 grams so my my biggest advocacy for the education of what's on the label and what's in the food um is that that's really my biggest advocacy i think that that's the key to understanding what to put into your body um and I would absolutely look at uh, the the oils, uh, the hydrogenated oils that are in most foods um, are extremely, extremely, they're everywhere. And so you want to educate yourself on that part of it too, because for some reason they're putting that stuff in, in basically everything and that causes inflammation, water retention, sluggishness, um, you know, and also other internal stuff that we don't have to go into here. And uh, so, you know, and, and knowing that, you know, sugar is not good for you any way you put it and looking at sh- sugar alternatives and avoiding things that are high in sugar are is, is just so imperative. Uh, sodas and, and all these other things, you know, we can go our entire life scientifically proven and not drink a single soda, not have a single ounce of sugar and we would be flying, you know, um, there's no reason for it. And so. Um, if you could take the steps of looking at the, uh, ingredients of the products you buy, realizing how much you don't understand and how, and researching even one product, I always tell my group when I'm coaching, you know, define one product, understand just one at a time. You'll start to see consistent things in those products before you even look at the nutrition contents. That's really, really important think about it, right? The food industry is relying on your ignorance to purchase products. They mostly are relying on what you don't know, right? And the fact that you're not going to look at the ingredients and the fact that they can just sneak whatever in there, okay? Nobody knows how much salt is in soda, but there's so much salt in soda that you'd you'd be amazed. Go into the store and look at the back of a Coca-Cola. Why are they putting salt in soda? Because they want you to stay thirsty, right? Stuff like that. I mean, I know this is the most basic thing, and it's very evident, but then there's this other stuff. So, so that's really, really, really important. My philosophy on nutrition is this. If you're going to eat something, make sure you're hungry. Don't eat because breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Eat because you're hungry. Eat when you're hungry. And allow your body to process and digest that food, meaning create a little bit of distance between your meals so that your body can create a repair cycle system, process all the nutrients and um, excrete the the, the remains. Um, By doing those things, you will become a much more efficient metabolic machine. 
And this is not even touching the surface of like what you should be putting in your body. That choice I leave to you. But the awareness of the toxins, the oils, and the sugars with the ability to manage when we eat and knowing that we're eating because we're hungry, not because we're stressed or not because it's breakfast, is the foundation of a normal sequential feeding period and lifestyle with food or a relationship with food. Um, so I've broken it down to those. There are many different ways people eat. There are many different diets, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian. There's all that stuff. I've even heard of a carnivore diet. Don't ask, don't know, don't care. But what I will say is that when you eat, how you eat, and avoiding certain things within the food, those three things will will create a huge transformation over a very short period of time if you focus on it. And I do want to add to that, beautifully said, I do want to add to that to, as we touched upon before, who, like how does the person that you want to be eat? Like, like yes. how do they eat? Like that is the number one thing that will always drive you. And for me personally, I've been through so many different eating patterns. Mm -hmm. I've had like food, addi food addictions, binging and, and, and just like negative relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was going to be the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> I broke nope. up with that thought. And I've had, I had a funeral for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I was there for the funeral, uh, honestly. Because I just, you know, you think you're going to like, and, and another thing, you know, we grow up thinking, oh, my mom had diabetes, so now I'm going to have it. Like this DNA thing that we think is like just part of our life for the rest of our life. Like it's just such a little part and we can change everything in our body and, you know, in our body, in our mind, in the way we eat. Nothing is like th the way you, you think it was, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, nothing. And, and if you think in a healthy way, I am a person who puts good food in their body, mm -hmm. then every time you look at any food, mm -hmm. you're gonna go, is this a good food to put in my good body? And then you spend the time doing the research and understanding what this thing does, and then you start to create these baselines of, oh, that I know is good for me, boom. It's much slower in the beginning as you start to create realizations and educate yourself on what you're putting in your body because every time you purchase a product, a food over the counter and you scan it, it's on your receipt, you're signing a contract saying, I am willingly allowing this company who produced this product with ingredients that I don't know, and I'm gonna go ahead and just put that in my body. Mm -hmm. Would you ever sign a contract without reading it? Well, we do all the time. And that's what these companies rely on. Because when we see a terms of service on a website or on an app that we download, we just hit I accept. Now those repercussions are one thing. But what about the times we press the hypothetical I accept when we buy food with crap in it that is actually directly harmful to our bodies? You see? So it's really just a little bit more effort for a huge return. And that little bit of effort is turn the product over and look at what's in it. It's really that simple to start the journey if you care about being that person who wants to be a little bit more aware. And Awareness if you're listening to this, you are that person. Yes, exactly, because you wouldn't be here if you aren't. And that's why I like to break it down into the most simplest steps because I, that's what happened to me. That's what shifted me completely. I know we're, we're, we're getting close on time, but you know, with the, with the oils that were in the foods, I happened to come across a YouTube video. This is what started this whole health thing for me at an accelerated rate. And it was a video that talked about the toxicity of hydrogenated oils and that it was in everything. And then I went into the store and I turned over every box and I saw that everything was doused or cooked in canola oil or all these disgusting things. And I was blown away at the veil that had been pulled over my eyes and food that I thought was on the healthier side. And but blah, talk blah, 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 a little blah. bit about how that oil, it, 
acts in your body really yeah. quickly. So so a hydrogenated a hydrogenated product is is genetically modified in the sense that is it is um, it it is processed in a lab similarly to like how they process car oil. Um, you probably run your car on canola oil. I'll be honest with you. It, it, you probably could. And when they change the molecular structure of this, they hydrogenated this, so the hydrogen atoms are modified. Uh, the the oil becomes palatable, and it changes in its you know color and consistency. And the main purpose of this is to make it shelf stable, so that it can last forever. And so the uh, you know, the whole propaganda is saturated fats, don't touch butter, da 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 um, And I don't want to get into propaganda. All I want to say is that this is a non-solid, um, you know, uh, modified chemical that we're introducing into our bodies. So what happens when we introduce this into our bodies is the body doesn't really know how to process that type of fat properly because it's been modified in that way. And so what it does is it just sits there as the body slowly processes it through. Now, am I saying that it's, it's going to, you know, if you have it here and there, it's going to hurt that bad? No, your body will get through it. But the problem is it's in everything, basically. Most of the stuff people eat have some remnants, whether it's, you know, uh, bags of rice that you can buy at cost. It just, it's just so, so many things. Hummus, so many hummuses has this, these canola oils or in it. I mean, I mean, try to find a Sabra that doesn't have that oil in it. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. And they do exist, these local products. And that's where you sort of start to get onto this hunt of like avoiding that stuff. And so basically, because it's in everything, we're overloaded with these hydrogenated oils in our system. And it bogs us down, and it bloats us, and it demotivates us. And there's also a mental thing. It starts to sort of depress us. And there's a lot of physical and psychological effects that come from consuming hydrogenated oils. And unfortunately, they, they will perpetually exist. And the reason they exist and the reason why they were, they're pushed so hard is because they're low cost to produce and they're shelf stable. And, um, you know, food companies and especially restaurants love to use it, which is why when you're going out, be careful, especially with the fried stuff, because they fry that stuff in the worst possible oils you can get because, you know, the restaurant industry, that's what they do. So be mindful of that stuff. And, uh, you know, that that's sort of the baseline effect that it has on you. Beautiful. I feel like we need another podcast episode very soon. Part two. Part two all on of the these oils. things. Yeah. I want to ask you a couple, well, a few rapid fire questions before we wrap this up. So take a breath. Are you ready? All right, let's try it. Ah. All right. What is your go-to favorite healthy meal? Uh, Tuna fish salad. (laughs) (laughs) I love tuna fish salad so much. Love. Love uh, it. Yeah, I love tuna salad. Book or podcast that made the biggest impact in your life? Uh, healthy, uh, uh, healthy lifestyle with Michaela, the healthy Michaela podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, it's true because this is the first real podcast that I've been on and have also listened to. So, actually, facts, not even a joke. Next question. Thank you. Yeah. What do you most love about your work? Um, genuinely making people feel that feeling of, of pure joy. Love it. What is one thing we can all do today for better health? Educate yourself. What is one thing we can do today for more wealth? Change your mindset and believe that it's possible. And what is one thing we can do today for better relationships? Communicate honestly. And what are you most grateful for? I'm most grateful for my family. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for having the parents that I did, especially my father, who's my stepfather, um, for... Um, instilling a belief system and a value system in me from a young age that I thought was a bunch of BS that turned into the, be the greatest mm-hmm. thing that shapes me to the core of who I am. You should call him and tell him that. 
Oh, I call him and tell him that all the time. He's sick of hearing it. <laughs> Every time, like, Dad, you were right. That thing you said, that was crazy. You fucking turned out to be right. All right. So, and last question. Like, I know this already. Why are you calling me? Yes. That's a good. That's a good way to end this. And what is one goal you're looking forward to crushing next? I would love to um, get on get on a stage and you know Gary V style just talk to a lot of people, talk to a lot of people, and 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 get some get my voice out there and you know impact a large group and uh, you know like shift that journey. I'd like huge goal to, um, you know, um, speak motivationally about a variety of different topics. Uh, it's I a lofty see you goal. on stage. Yeah. I I'll see you see there. It. I'll probably do like, you know, like a, a group of people and then you, you can join. You can be <laughs> one of them. You can be one of the, one of the speakers on our next Ted talk. It'll be part we'll of call my it visualization. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what? Help me out. Cause I'm visualizing, but I, I think I need some more visualizers. Yeah. yeah. I think it could be a group effort for sure. Let's do it. So Paul, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your time with us, your knowledge. You're amazing. I appreciate you. And just to wrap this up, where can everyone find you or work with you? How does somebody get in touch with you? Yeah, so my main program right now um, is LifeGenix. Uh, you can go to LifeGenix.me and uh, you can sign up. And if you choose to, you will then join our community of amazing people who are active. Um, there's a Discord or a chat where we are talking, we're meeting, we're working out together. Everything's virtual. And um, it's a an amazing um, health uh, and nutrition and workout program that, uh, you know, really goes along with some of the things that I talked about in this podcast and the support from the community that we have is, is, is pretty stellar. So I, I do, um, recommend, uh, if anybody's interested uh, to check it out and you could also just email me paul at lifegenics.me to uh, ask me any questions if you have them. So appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. I'll have those in the show notes. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for having me. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Style Podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you like the show, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It's actually the best way to support the show. If you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to Healthy Style Podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or my personal page at Health with Michaela. I'm also offering 30-minute consultations where we can chat about your health and wellness goals and how to achieve them. You can schedule yours by visiting the website healthwithmichaela.com.